and Lex. Two imperfect six-figure business coaches, co-founders, and friends who decided to combine our superpowers to bring to market something we wish we had when we entered the world of coaching. A real, non-BS, intimate, and fun community built with integrity, intention, and a few glasses of wine. In this podcast, we get real. Real about life. Business. Relationships and what it really takes to find your version of success in the world of coaching. Are you ready, Lex? I'm set, Em. Let's coach. Hey, Lex. Hey, Emily. You guys, another YouTube plug, which by the way, first, before I talk about today, for those of you who very excitedly ran to our YouTube channel after the last interview or what are they called podcast episode where I promised you'd see me juggling there was a camera mix up and you couldn't see me juggling first off how are you I feel like I haven't seen you all week literally no I'm like it's been at least an hour and I'm having Emily withdrawals um (laughs) I am I'm like you know when people ask you how your weekend was and you have to legitimately remember what you did the day before? That's how I feel a thousand right now. Percent. I'm like, I think I'm fine. I'm fine, right? I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> um, first off, I want to shout out Lexi's birthday is coming up. Uh, it's coming up on March 14th. So everyone are just mark your calendars. Lexi's birthday, March 14th. Um, Lex, I actually, I'm fine now, but I, yesterday, and you know how obsessed I am with the CP word. I don't want to take a shot. So I am obsessed with core More power, power yoga. More so power. obsessed with it. And, um, I don't know if it was a workout. It wasn't a core power workout on Monday. I did, but for Tuesday, Wednesday, and today, I felt like someone took a baseball bat to my body and the way the pain that I had, like really made me empathize for people who are living in pain, but my wrists were achy. My shoulders were achy. My back was achy. My ankles were achy. Like I slept, usually I sleep on my left side, holding a pillow and I couldn't even turn to my left side. I was just on my back because I couldn't move. So I'm not an Advil person. I'm not someone who like takes, I don't have much pain. So I don't usually just pop pills. So I took Advil this morning and that helped. And then I had this, um, this bomb that was like an icy hot kind of bomb. And I just rubbed it all over my body and I'm feeling better now, but I, I truly felt like I was going to need to request a, a wheelchair when going to the airport. Like that's how bad I was feeling. Oh, you're old. Just kidding. My trick <laughs> to pain management, because throughout sports and I've gone through some serious injuries that could have easily had me taking way too many pills. Peppermint oil is my favorite, 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 favorite natural option for pain management. That's essentially what the bomb was. It's like a peppermint, like a yoga bomb, I think it's called. Um, but yeah, I was texting my, my girlfriend who, who you met Katie, who is a doctor. And I was asking her, I was like, so do I have rheumatoid arthritis now? Is this lupus? Is it gout? Like, (laughs) is it cancer? (laughs) You know, my husband, I just went through all of it. She's like, it's probably like some sort of viral infection that you have that's just manifesting in your body. Do you feel sick? I'm like, I don't feel sick. So anyhow, that was my fun start to the morning. Literally picking up my 23 pound child was like, it was hard. It was very, very hard. Okay. Last squirrel guys, I promise. And then we'll talk about the content, but I feel like, I don't know why I didn't think to talk about this, but I have to tell them what happened to me this week. Regarding children and regarding oh yeah, oh, my God, yes. 
I'll, I'll give you the very quick, quick version. And I'm going to start by saying everyone is fine. Start with <laughs> everyone is fine. Everyone is fine. But I went to my girlfriend's house this weekend um, to celebrate her birthday. And there was just three of us moms. And then um, I had my husband pick up Ashlyn, but there was uh, four, four kiddos running around from the ages of two to six. And I had forgotten my ugh, long story. I'm trying to like, what's the cliff notes version. I didn't have a purse. Okay. Meaning I still had my EpiPen, a wallet and keys that were free floating in the house. I put them on a shelf. We drank some wine. We were watching some bachelor, no judgment. And all of a sudden my mom friend turns around and she sees her two-year-old running around with the empty shell of my EpiPen. And we're like, Oh, what? Then I hear another child vomiting in the bathroom. And then we're like, uh, what? And then the other mom friend went up to go find my EpiPen needle out having been deployed. Turns out the two-year-old took my EpiPen, stabbed the five-year-old. So I immediately call 911. Now the mom of these two kids is the chillest mom I've ever met. She's like, Lex, you don't call 911. I'm like, I'm sorry, but your child is puking and just got stabbed with a EpiPen. The doctor's office isn't open. I'm going to ask what to do. Literally, we're, they were in the city of Camarillo. Within 90 seconds, without me even asking, we had a knock on the door. There were seven paramedics who showed up. And the reason I'm kind of laughing is kid was totally fine. We were three semi-half-drunk moms um, who irresponsibly had left an EpiPen. Um, my friend was like, are they going to call CPS? Anyways, everyone's fine. Everyone's fine. Long story long, here's the lesson there. Don't leave your EpiPen. <laughs> unattended in a house of children because they might stab each other. I think there's another lesson there too. It's less intimidating and it's easier to deploy an EpiPen than you think. And so if you ever do feel anxious about deploying uh, an EpiPen, it's so easy a two-year-old can do it. And you are the, the best. You just served it up on a silver platter you know, there's so many options that could have been done in that moment. Could have called 911, could have gone to the Google rabbit hole, could have done a lot of things. It's sometimes hard to know the right thing. And you know, it's also sometimes hard to know the right thing about choosing a marketing strategy that works for you and your coaching business, which is today's topic, how to pick the best marketing strategy for your coaching business. Wow. We took it from EpiPens to best marketing strategy for your coaching business. Um, let me, let me just make a mental note that I need to make an Instagram of all of your best transitions, because if people aren't listening to this podcast, they, they should get curious at least <laughs> how we can go from an EpiPen to best marketing. Oh, we'll just do that. If you don't see it, slide into our DMs. So <laughs> Let's kick this off 20 minutes into our squirrel conversation. Um, and that's our episode. Thanks so much for joining. So, okay, Emily, I'm going to toss it over to you because I just talked a long time. You want to kick us off? Not really, but I will. So <laughs> okay. I'm happy to. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so I think I, I think this is a great conversation because uh, as you can see, I'm going to just use, I'm going to speak in examples today. Um thinking of having, if you have a coaching business, there's many ways that you can market yourself. You can market yourself on social media. You could be on TikTok dancing up a storm. You could be speaking on big stages. You could be speaking at little stages. You could be um, starting a podcast or on other people's podcasts. There's many different ways to get the message across of what you are doing and what you are coaching on. 
Lex and I started our podcast. I'm going to use us as an example. We started our podcast, gosh, in the fall sometime, like summer, no, July, maybe. What year is it? I don't know. I think we started it last year. We started in July, 2022, and we started it on a whim. But one of the things that we both recognized is a, we're hilarious. B, we, (laughs) no, we needed to be able to, we needed to talk through our ideas and we're much better. We're great writers, but we're much better being able to articulate and speak things through. And it also gives people, our listeners, you an opportunity to get to know our personalities. So when thinking about, as you were sussing through all the different options for marketing your coaching business, take some time to reflect on where your strong, your strength lies. Are you a phenomenal writer? And you think that you could really commit to writing a blog or contributing to other blogs, or do you think speaking is, is your wheelhouse? Perfect. So I think this is one of the biggest misconceptions or commons or, or commons challenges or is <laughs> when you enter the coaching space, or this actually works across the board for any business, you're going to see a lot of people preaching at you for certain strategies. Uh, you need to do a paid ad into a webinar in order to have a volume-based coaching practice. You need to have a Instagram. You need to. There's a lot of need tos, a lot of shoulds, a lot of this is the one strategy that works. And we're here to say that the strategy only works if it's in alignment with you and your strengths for a multitude of reasons. So to piggyback off M, step one is to get really honest with yourself about your strengths and also where you're currently at with your commitment level of showing up. Meaning, You could be a phenomenal speaker, but the reality is you aren't going to commit to being able to make time in your schedule to go on a speaking tour and show up on stages. So it's one part knowing what you're good at, two part knowing what you're willing to commit to. Um, Another example, let's say you're someone who hates social media, but and you hate being on podcasts and you hate being on TV. How do you market, right? Do you have to be super, super present? This is an opportunity where maybe then writing, maybe writing is an angle you go after. Maybe it is the blog route. Maybe it is using and going after bylines or guest posts. But part two to that though, is then you have to be able to commit the time to mm-hmm. do that consistently. So it's part recognition, part choice. And I, and I have to say too, you can have a strength that can be it can be drawn across multiple or it could be strewn across multiple um, platforms. So like your point about writing, you're like, oh my God, I love writing. Yeah, that's a great idea, Lex. And, but you're like, oh, but I hate social media. You'll never catch me dancing. You don't have to dance on social media to be, you could be able to capitalize on your writing strengths and create carousel posts explaining um, X, Y, and Z about your, whatever you coach on. And so just because there are the people or the coaches that are talking at the camera every single day and have the captions on, there are also ways to still leverage this free platform that is available to you, but works for your strengths. Lex, how can people find out how to work with us? Super simple. Go to readysetcoachprogram.com, link in show notes. Yeah. And part two to that is also looking at the platforms out there and what natively does well. So there's two sides of the coin. So the first side is 
being aware of what your strengths are. We also want to show up where our people are at. But mm-hmm. if let's say you've generally decided that you are a career coach, for example, so you're looking for people who are stuck in their career, there might be an audience on Instagram. Maybe though you go to LinkedIn and LinkedIn more natively is pro writing. Um, you don't necessarily have to be a, a graphics genius or do any video. So that's strategic in the sense that you're showing up where your potential clients are, but it's also playing into your strengths and what you are going to realistically commit and be able to do consistently. Amen to that. And so Lex, when you think about you, like, let's go back to Lexi, Lexi, a few years ago when Lexi was starting out with the PR bar, how did you pick the best marketing strategy for you? Yeah. So there's a few, few ways to go about this, but I I do believe that when you're very, very, very in the beginning stages of your business in a new form of business, you don't necessarily know what does or doesn't work. I was in a position where being in marketing and PR, I was open to all the, all the places, meaning I didn't have the natural, um, weaning, meaning I didn't hate camera. I didn't hate audio. So there was a lot of options still on my table. So I went into the mindset of treating my business as a lab experiment. And I tried Mm -hmm. a little bit of everything. I went into it knowing trial and error is part of the process. So I tried speaking. I tried social. I tried podcasts. I tried writing. I tried co-campaigns. I tried X, Y, and Z. I did all of them with the intention of learning what was going to work for my business. Once I knew what worked, then I could scale back my efforts and get a lot more specific, which is what I did. Now, tossing over that exact same question for you, Emily. Uh, And I I just want to I want to let everyone know that Lexi has some beautiful YouTube videos that she made when she first began <laughs> with tutorials on how to do certain PR things. So I, I, I appreciate the effort of, of experimenting with all of the different angles and all of the different ways for me, since I had, I had been creating a, a networking community, it was it made the most sense to do things in collaboration with others. So for marketing, that meant doing giveaways. Um, I was also, I would say my strategy was generous marketing, like reverse psychology marketing, where I started a blog and my obligation with the blog was to interview people who I thought were amazing. And what was awesome. This was before people were doing like career profiles. This is the olden days. This is when TV was in black and white. And I was in interviewing these people And then they were showing them, they were sharing those interviews on their platforms. Um, I would try to also interview people that had pretty decent followings and had people who were like actively consuming whatever they put out. So by interviewing them, I was building like no and trust. And then when the time came, often they then created a, a podcast and then I would be invited back onto the onto the podcast or I would be interviewed in their blog series. So it was very like mutually beneficial marketing. I don't know if there's a word for it, but uh, yeah. cross-pollinating with other people. Which is brilliant. And if you peel back the layer, right, it's also really conducive or complementary to your personality. Like you're a natural networker. You're someone who naturally does these things. So it's not only strategic, it's really, really smart and going to allow you to shine. Where people mess up is when they try to force themselves into a fit. Um, An example I have here is a quick, like, I think it was 
two weeks ago, one of my friends who's not in the entrepreneurial space at all, she's actually a stay-at-home mom, but bless her, follows me on all my business accounts. She sent me a voice note and she was like, wow, it's so funny how you literally are exactly who you are on your Instagram stories. Um, she, she sent me that. She's like, I appreciate that. The thing is, is um, if I were to show up on my Instagram stories being super polished or trying to be all <laughs> super, super vulnerable or X, Y, and Z fitting into trend of the moment, it wouldn't be me and that mm-hmm. energy would be felt. It just wouldn't come off authentically. And so, yes, I'm me on my stories because I know that I is me, I is me. No, but that's also smart because I'm playing into who I am and that's going to be felt in today's modern modern landscape where there is so much emphasis put on authenticity. Do you get what I'm saying? I feel like that was a lot of words, but do you get what I'm I, saying? I get what you're showing up authentically as you and expressing and communicating what the value that you provide, but not changing and deviating from, you're not like a persona, you are, right. you're Alexi through and through, um, both in your business and in real life. Yes. Thank and you. I think <laughs> succinctly putting that, that together. I okay. do think, and I agree with that too. I think that gone are the days of the perfectly polished, um, professional. And, you know, I know it does exist on LinkedIn, but even there I'm seeing so much more vulnerability in the last, the last few years, especially think about like the tech layoffs, all these people who are like kind of just pulling back the onion and they're showing this version of themselves. That's not everything is perfect and hunky dory. And I so appreciate that and and, and infusing more of their personal life and personality into something that might be deemed professional. On the flip side of that coin to play devil's advocate, I actually feel there's a lot of pressure to only show or overplay the message. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so we it kind of goes both ways. Yeah. And an example I have here is my husband, he's an engineer in um, the liquefied gas industry fund. <laughs> so <And> sexy. <laughs> his space and his customers, like they are not showing up for vulnerability. So when he sees a post on LinkedIn, that's vulnerable. He's like, what WTF is this doing here? It is such a turnoff for him. So I mm-hmm. think there is also when we talk strategy, knowing as a coach, what type of person are you going after? Who is your ideal client? Is it someone that is open to the vulnerability or is it maybe someone in a older, I'm stereotyping here, but like an older generation in a very rigid industry who might not really be receptive to this Mm -hmm. new wave of being messy. So it's something to think about too. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it is fascinating to think about also like who's consuming your, your information. And I think I've mentioned this before, but we have a family friend every time I see him and he's the like CEO of a very big company. He's like, Oh, I love your, your Instagram, Emily. And I'm like, Oh my God, I was in my underwear with a picture of my child, (laughs) you know, breastfeeding, like leaking. This is not the person I am speaking to. Um, So knowing that you will, you, you might have people who are following you that are not your ideal audience. And you have to kind of get over that comfort level of like, I'm not trying to appeal to him, but good, good on him for consuming it. I guess. guess. (laughs) It's such a great point. Um, I do want to share a example of a co one-on-one client Emily and I have, because I just had a session with her yesterday and the topic Mm -hmm. we were, we were focusing on was narrowing in on her strategy for thought leadership. And to give you a bit more color, she's at a point in her business where now she's, I don't know how far is 
she in? Like eight months. Eight months. Six months. Yeah. Tremendously doing tremendously well. And the, 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 if you're looking on YouTube, the fire is lighting in her business and she's starting to get traction and she's starting to move a little bit more out of the first trial and error phase into understanding where what's working. She has clients. So she, we are able to reflect back on where did those clients come from? And this mm-hmm. speaks back to kind of what I was saying about my journey, where sometimes you have to try a lot of things, but once you start seeing what works, then you can narrow in. So we narrowed in on two very specific strategies for her because we saw that's where her clients were coming on, coming from. So why reinvent the wheel? Let's just turn fire on what we know is working. You just wanted to use fire puns. I see that. I just really did. Yeah. <laughs> she was fired up, guys. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, uh, we should do a stand-up episode where we just do comedy back and forth and see. We could do a pun off Punderdome, oh. our version. Let's uh, someone submit us for a Netflix comedy special, please. Yeah. No, maybe <laughs> uh, or not. We'll save our egos for something else. So in conclusion, how to pick the best marketing strategy for your coaching business. It's taking a lot of inventory of who you are. It's experimenting. It's experimenting and then taking reflecting and looking at the data where are clients coming from and then focusing your energies in those particular areas and potentially expanding and seeing what are synchronistic or or symbiotic with that and um Lex what is your homework going to be for our wonderful listeners today on that note step 1 take out some pen and paper and write down where do you shine and, and evaluate also not where you shine, but what you are willing to realistically show up for consistently. So if you're going to say you want to lean into writing, then you need to make an agreement with yourself that you're going to really lean into that, that channel. Step two of that is to make sure within that medium. So if it's social or writing or speaking, then identifying a platform where your people are at. So if I want to be a writer and I'm going after female entrepreneurs, then the platform maybe I try to write for is create and cultivate, for example. So that's really where we marry being realistic and acknowledging who we are as an individual, as a coach with the strategy side of things. And with that, we will see you the next well, time next on the Ready, the Ready Set, Set Coach, Coach Comedy podcast. Show. I mean, podcast. <laughs> Bye. Uh, bye. If you're enjoying the Ready, Set, Coach podcast, please leave a review wherever you are listening. For more information about Ready, Set, Coach, visit readysetcoachprogram.com.